All right. We were going to try to get Blake to come off the thing this morning to the little baby pool. And Blake, you're probably crazy enough. You would have done it. You know what I'm saying? I still want to pull. You still, you, oh, no. But uh, that is just crazy, man. Hey, making a big splash with your life. You know, the whole series is about making ripples, uh, about making an impact. You know, if I had to sum up today's message in one word, I'd go impact. Just write that somewhere right now, if you would, across your notes. Just impact. How am I going to make impact? You know, I heard a thing years ago. You wrote a great book, uh, Mike Bro did, and it's about making ripples with your life. And he tells a story about there's two approaches how you get in the pool. You know, one is you, uh, you know, you kind of walk up to the pool and you kind of back off. Oh, it's cold. And, uh, and you kind of just stick your toes in there and you dangle them and you come back and, and you're kind of a wuss, okay? And you finally get up to your ankles. It takes you forever to get in. But then there's this other approach to the pool. And we started to do that this week was you take a big head start, just a running leap. And when you jump, you make the biggest cannonball you know. And you hit it. And you bust it. So are you making a splash with your life? That's what I really want to talk to us today about creating a maximum impact with our life. And, uh, because here's what happens. You've probably been at a lake or a pond or something, and you've, uh, you've gotten the rock, and you've thrown it and made that big, big sound, that big splash. You can see it right now in your mind's eyes. And then those ripples just begin to move out from the center of where it hit, and they go, and they go, and eventually they hit the side and it stops. But if not, they would just continue to move and to go and to go and to go. You know, that's the way it is with our life. We uh, just have an opportunity to make a splash of some big ways. It's one way we make a splash is by the choices we make, individual choices that we make. They have huge ramifications, consequences, if you will, by the decisions you and I make, good and bad, choice after choice. Over in the book of Ephesians, I'm going to invite you to turn there with me. If you have a copy of the scriptures, turn to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2. Will you turn there with me? Um, it's a passage that I memorized early as a Christ follower. and In one translation, it uses the word, we're God's workmanship. In the NLT, it goes, we're God's masterpiece. Same thing. Uh, I want you to read God's uh, scripture with me. It's right here on the screen. Maybe you're looking in the Bible, but you might have a different translation. So let's read it from the screen together. Ready? For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. For we are what? God's workmanship. You know, God didn't make any jump. God made us. He made you. He made you and you. He made me. You're saying, well, you know, maybe, maybe you could have made your head so big, Pastor. <laughs> you laugh, okay. Or maybe you wouldn't have made your nose so big, and I laugh. No, no, I wouldn't do that, no. Or maybe it maybe wouldn't make this so big, or maybe you didn't make that too little, or maybe you did this, or maybe you got this or that. I, I don't know. I just know we're fearfully and wonderfully made, said the psalmist. And the church said, we're made perfect. We're made just the way God wanted to make us. Matter of fact, I'm learning a lot about new creations and new, new things and new people with our granddaughter. I look at her. She's absolutely perfect. I hadn't found one thing I'd change about her. Not, not nothing. Perfect. Perfection right there in that little girl. You feel the same way about your kids too, don't you? 
Somebody were like, well, I don't know. You know, they're teenagers. You know, we're kind of thinking about it, you know. Or how about your grandkids? Oh, oh yeah, grandkids. You know, I'm convinced parents are just hypocrites. Oh, grandkids. Oh, perfect, perfect. Kids. Oh, another thing. Man, help me, Jesus. Deliver me off the planet. Either me or them. Quickly, Lord Jesus, come. Yeah, I know. You know, we just happen to be crazy about our kids and our granddaughter. And I don't know. But here it is. God prepares in advance things for you and I to do. And you know, the great thing about God is God is the only one that can measure the ripples that come out from your life and mine, the, the impact, the influence, the, the ripple making. I want you to turn to the person next to you and I want you to say this. You're a piece of work by God. Just turn to him and tell him that. Hold on, hold on. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Some of you said too much. Some of you say, I've been wanting to say that for a long time. You are you're a piece of work. And you didn't say, by God, you said you're a piece of work. <laughs> We're having entirely too much fun in here today. We have hit beach balls on people's heads. We've watched Professor Splash. We've laughed at each other. Let's uh, take an offering and go home. Anybody for that? No, no I'm not through. What are you talking about? I've been working on this message. Wait a minute, here we go. But you were created in the image of God for a purpose, for good works. You're God's handiwork. You're his masterpiece. You're his workmanship. He wants us to have a positive impact on people around us. And some of us do, some of us don't. He, metaphorically here, speaking of influence and what that means and letting our light so shine that we shine like stars in the universe, says Philippians. Christ says, have the fragrance or have the fragrance of Christ unmistakably. Lord, let my life count. Let it, let it make a difference on others. Lord, let your light shine through us individually. And how much greater it is when we shine as a, as a collective body of Christ. When we shine, God gets more glory. And when we don't shine, he doesn't get very much glory. There's an NBA player, retired now. He played basketball east of here. Probably heard of him. His name was Charles Barkley. You ever heard of him before? He's a little controversial, a little full of himself some days. And he made this comment one day. He says, I don't want to be anybody's role model. Absolutely nobody. He was just saying, you know, professional athletes, we don't need to be role models. Well, I hate to tell you, big guy, you're a role model, good or bad. I don't know about you, but when we were raising our kids, we were looking for role models. How about you, church? We we're looking for positive Christ-centered impact on our kids. We are grateful for people in this church that are here today and people that are on the road and people that have loved, lived and loved and done life with us over the years that have had an impact on our kids. I'm grateful for the people that have had an impact on my life. How about you right now? I bet you're thinking of somebody. Why don't you just write right on the side of your note right there, write down somebody's name has had an impact on your life. Just write it down. Maybe this week, call them. So you know what? In church, Holy Spirit, quicken your name to my mine and to my fingers and I wrote it down and I thought I would call you this week and just thank you for your contributions hopefully it's maybe it's been in business and education and athletics but hopefully you could even think of somebody spiritually that's made a difference in your life and they've rippled over into you and they've made a positive impact because God's so great and you know I, I've often wondered how did God feel when he created me how did God create how did he feel when he created you I think he felt great joy says, this is a person made in my image. They carry my DNA. I want to conform them to the image of my son that I love, the Lord Jesus. 
They will have a choice. They can have a free will. They can choose to reject me or to receive me. But I've made them perfect. I've made them just the way they are. The psalmist says, For you have created me, you have knit me together in my mother's womb. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You are wonderful. I know that full well. How many of you think about that this morning? That you know you're fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of Christ. You are. So the scripture says you're marvelously created. You are for sure. And here's what happens. I want you to write this on the side. Compare. Compare always messes you up. When you compare yourself to other people, you devalue that which God has created you to be. Because God's only made one of you. And some of us go, we're grateful. But he's created one of you. And when you compare it, uh, Ron Hutchcraft says, it's compare snare. When you compare yourself to other people, you always come up short. Look at Hollywood and the actresses and the models, and they're always comparing themselves to others, and they always, oh, I got a blemish, oh, I got this. You know, or we compare ourselves to other athletes, and they've got more stats than us, and we compare ourselves to other people in academic standards, and they've got more academics and higher GPA than us, and you can compare your people that have more hair than you. You know, I do that all the time. And they have more hair than me, you know. I mean, I just lose. So I might as well just celebrate the way God's made my head. You know what I'm saying? The other day I went to a dermatologist. I go twice a year. It's such a fun experience. And he zapped my head. Yes, Donna didn't hit me. She loves me greatly. But I got, he froze my head here and he froze me on top. And, and I said, man, what is that? He says, well, you're getting kind of thin up there. I said, man, now my dermatologist is joking on me. Come on. I'm paying you. You don't need a joke on me. He said, well, you're getting a little thin up there, a little precancer. Hey, zip. He said, this is going to sting just a bit. You ever had it? Then he does it again. As long as he don't touch my nose, I'm okay. Because when he does my nose, I cry. But when he does my head, I just go, okay, I'll get to church. And some little boy go, Pastor, you got a boo-boo on your head. Like I didn't know. But that's okay. Kids are beautiful. They're fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. I remember the first time he ever froze my head and a little kid said that to me. I walked out and said, gum. Even the kids are making fun of me today. The truth was that little kid wanted to put a Band-Aid on me. He said, you need help, Pastor. Okay, so here we go. Ephesians, we're made in the image of God, we're his handiwork. But I want you to turn over to Galatians. I want you to turn over to Galatians chapter 1. Will you do that with me? And if you look there in verse 10, we'll see God's word for us. Matter of fact, let's stand because you've been sitting for about 10 minutes, so I probably need to stand you up. Can you just stand? I'm going to read God's word from the New Living Translation this morning. Galatians chapter 1, starting in verse 10. Listen to God's word. I've read this a lot this week, just meditating. It's powerful. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Dear brothers and sisters, I want you to understand that the gospel message I preach is not based on mere human reasoning. I received my message from not, no human source, and no one taught me. Instead, I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. You know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. it was, I was far ahead of my fellow Jews and my zeal for the traditions of my ancestors. But even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I could proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. When this happened, I did not rush out to consult with any human being, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to consult with those who were apostles before I was. Instead, I went away into Arabia, and later I returned to the city of Damascus. And then three years later, I went to Jerusalem to get to know Peter. And I stayed with him for 15 days. Let's just stop there. Can you imagine hanging out with Peter for 15 days? I bet that was intense. And I, 
I stayed with him for 15 days. And the only other apostle I met at that time was James, the Lord's brother. And I declared before God that what I'm writing to you is not a lie. After this, I went north into the provinces of Syria and Sicilia, and still the Christians in the churches in Judea didn't know me personally, and all they knew was that people were saying, the one who used to persecute us is now preaching the very faith he tried to destroy. And they, I like this last verse, and they praise God because of me. God, thank you for your living word. You can be seated. Do you see see that last verse there? They were giving praise for Saul that became Paul because he got a dynamic testimony and they were given praise who, for who he had become. He'd become a true Christ follower. Not a persecutor, but a proclaimer. Not a persecutor, but a preacher of righteousness. A powerful story. But you look here, it says there, and they praise God because of me. Ask yourself that question this morning. Can somebody, has anybody praised God because of you, because of your witness? Have have they told you? Maybe others have heard that they've spoken highly. They've esteemed you because of the testimony you have in Christ. That's a good thing. But then sometimes they don't give praise because of you. They give curses because of you. They've not really honored God. They've not seen Christ live his life out through you. So let's fill in this outline together. Seek God's approval above all else. That's what it starts out telling us there in the very first passage there in verse 10 about seeking God's approval above all else. I'm not trying to win the approval of man, of men, but I'm trying to win the approval of my father. Now, y'all, that's a quick choice or a conscious choice you and I have to make every day. Do I want to please him or do I want to please men? Do I want to please God or do I want to please others? And I hope you go, well, spiritual to Jesus, the Sunday school answer is please God. But what's your real answer? Are you wanting to please God? Because your influence is grounded in seeking God's approval. Write that down. Your influence is grounded in seeking God's approval. That gives eternal impact. That gives eternal influence when you seek the approval of the one that redeemed you, the one that called you by name, the one that says you're his handiwork, you're his masterpiece. That's what God wants. So there's a difference here between influence and popularity. If I say the name Paris Hilton, some of you go, what are you talking about her for? I I was thinking about that too. But a lot of popularity in the world. If I said Kim Kardashian, you go, oh, whatever. You know what? And they have popularity, but they don't really have influence. Well, they have influence. That's not the kind of influence I want to give my girls in the church said. But God wants us to have proper influence. And then there's a person in, uh, in, uh, in history I remember studying when I was in school. Love this woman. She, uh, she ended up having 19 trips where she rescued people. She wasn't impressive. She wasn't very popular. She was extremely poor. Her clothes were coarse, worn, tattered, all beat up. When she smiled, they say that you could see that she had her two front teeth missing. She lived alone. Her husband had left her, so she was definitely alone there. She was poor. She only could do domestic jobs of cleaning. Just a really, really tough life. They called her Moses of her age, of her day. She brought people out of captivity. What is her name? Harriet Tubman. Remember reading about her and the abolitionist movement, how she would free people and how she wasn't liked and how people went after her and they wanted her and 
what a great, the, it, I read that it was a dangerous work. When people in her charge wavered, she was strong as steel. One time the southern leaders put $12,000 bounty on her head. They wanted to get rid of her. She wasn't popular among people black or white in her day, but she disapproved of the illegal, of the wrong, immoral activities of the day that she lived in. And she wanted to eradicate slavery. She wanted to make a difference, and she did. She was a person of influence. She pre, or, so as I look at her, I think that's a person in history that had a ripple. And that ripple has continued to 2013, and it'll continue through the ages. But in the Gospels, we read from Paul, from the Gospel of Grace, he goes, and he preached Christ crucified, Christ, the only hope for salvation. And the ripple of Jesus Christ in a life continues through all eternity. I'm grateful when Christ changed my life, began a work that I'm confident that he who began a good work in me will perfect it against the day of Christ Jesus. God has begun a work in me. Has God begun a work in you? Okay, let's ask that again. That didn't sound very convincing. Has God begun a work in your heart? Good. I just, just want to make sure, we, you know, I got you on the same channel with me. You're like, oh, yeah, he ain't doing much of me. And everybody's like, well, we know that. We're glad you admitted it. Okay. But uh, write down, have an unwavering devotion to Jesus. That's what God's looking for, is that you and I don't compromise our faith, but we are solid, we're steadfast, we're immovable, we're joyful, we're Christ-filled, Christ-centered. The second point would be, find God's mission for your life. You know, God's got a mission for every one of us. Just like we're all individually made, we have choices, we all have a different mission. Paul says, I received my mission as a direct revelation from Jesus Christ, not from man. Now, it did say in Scripture, he went and he hung out with Peter for 15 days, and I'm sure that was an influence. Remember, this is a great persecutor of Christians that okayed the stoning of Stephen. I mean, you got to do a little history on Paul here. Paul is not the most beloved man at the post office. Oh, maybe he was at the post office. He's not the most beloved man at potluck dinners, okay? I mean, if Paul showed up in that day, it's something people are like, oh, man, here's you know, here, here's a guy fixing to start a riot. He's fixing to take heads. He's fixing to annihilate Christians. And then he becomes a, a solid, devoted follower of Christ. So he finds his mission because of a direct revelation of Jesus Christ. He doesn't go, the scripture says, he doesn't go to Jerusalem to consult with the apostles to those that had walked with Jesus. But he had a Damascus Road direct revelation from the king. So here's the thought that I've got this morning. Have you had a revelation from Jesus Christ? Has Christ revealed himself to you as a hope of glory? And as it, after he does, then things begin to change. Jesus comes directly to Paul. But you know what? Jesus comes directly to you and me, too. He comes right to us. He's not rude. He's not overbearing. He comes and he knocks. He invites us to invitation. He invites us to drop our nets. He invites us to deny ourselves. He invites us to, to pick up our cross. And yes, he, did, he invites us to follow. I think about that word all the time, follow. Follow Jesus. I know you're going, well, Pastor, you're always telling us to be Christ followers. I am, and I will do that till the day I draw my last breath. It's the only thing that matters. As much as all the stuff of this world matters in some spheres of influence, but ultimately the only thing matters where you are a follower of Jesus. And Paul would be saying, hey, to live is Christ, to die is gain. 
So he moves us through this section here, and Paul goes to demonstrate that I'm not relying on man, I'm relying on the revelation of Jesus. So here's what I want to say to you. I don't want you to rely on men and women. I want you to rely on Jesus Christ. I love it when men and women can be counted faithful and trustworthy, and we need teachers and instructors and leaders and small group leaders. They're important. But at the end of the day, I hope you go, I'm following Jesus. Because when we follow Jesus, we don't get in trouble, we are okay. You know, we know from history, I remember when I first became a Christian, right before that, a few years before, there was a guy that had led great, educated, spiritually astute, some theologically trained, but they somehow they missed it. His name was Jim Jones. Those great killings there in South Africa, in Johannesburg. And yet, then there was another guy several years ago, his name was David Koresh, and he led people astray. There are always going to be people that are going to lead people astray from the truth of Jesus Christ. But part of becoming a person of influence is receiving God's revelation to your life and walking it out. How many of you still think that God gives revelation? I do. This is his living revelation, but it's a living book. And God reveals himself to us through Christ, through the Holy Spirit, through the Word, and yes, through other people. God reveals. But yet, too often we want God to give us a mission that fits comfortably into our chosen lifestyle. God, I'll take a mission if it won't cost me anything. Or God, if it won't cost me much. Or God, if it wouldn't be uncomfortable, I'll go with your mission. You think about it the other day. Adam, Melissa, Taylor. They've jumped out into an unknown, not their language, world. It's not going to be near as comfortable as living right here. And like this morning, just to have an English-speaking service, that's a little harder for them to find there. They've got some brothers and sisters there at the camp that speak English, and they're going to probably praise God for that, and they'll learn the language, and they'll probably get fluent before it's over with. But a lot of times it's not. And you think about, well, how about us? Well, sometimes you call, you're called to do things, and they're not comfortable. There's a price to pay. So I would just ask the question, do you want to be a person? Do you want to become a person of influence? And I hope everybody goes, yes, I want to be a person of influence. Do you want to do that, church? Yeah. Oh, I hope you do. And that is in Christ. That's the only thing that's going to matter. It's going to make an impact. It's going to make ripples. And the third point is this, invest the time it takes to establish credibility. Invest the time. Oh, it takes time to have credibility. You move on down to this passage in Galatians. In verse 18, we see that Paul spent three years in Arabia and Damascus preparing for his life work. And Paul waited another 14 years before going to see the leaders of the Jerusalem church. Paul had to wait a lot. Paul had to train a lot. But then he was ready because he had the revelation. He had the calling. He had the anointing. And he walked after God. Influence. I remember a story I read. There was a woman... She didn't make very much money in her life. She did have an education. She lived in a rundown uh, apartment. She died in 1995. Her rent was $400 a month. She lived on Social Security. She had a small monthly pension that she received because she had retired as an auditor with the IRS, but she never got a lot of money. Despite this woman had a law degree, she retired at the age of 51 at $3,150 a year. She was a model of cheap. She was a model of thrift. She didn't spend any money on herself. She didn't buy new furniture. She didn't buy cars. She didn't do anything. But she, the story told me that she went to the public library every day. 
And she went for one reason. She went to read the Wall Street Journal all the days of her life. And at the end of her life, there was this man. He was the president of, of Yeshiva University in New York City. And it came to his desk. I only hopes this comes to my desk one day. And at his desk, there was a check. And it was a check awarded to his university that he was a president worth $22 million. He had never met the woman before in his life. But she decided this was a good institution and she believed in it. And she thought, I want to invest my money into higher education, into higher learning. And she funded a lot of projects at that university at $22 million. Ann Schrauber. Wow, just cool story. Harriet Tubman. But here's what I ask us in here today. Keith Waldrop, Marie Williams, Tullus Young, Chad Kinney. I could just, you know, John Matuya. I, I could just name people. It's like, what kind of influence do you have? What's your life? What, who's it impacting? What kind, of, what kind of ripple is it making? Are you making significant influence? There's a, there's a quote here that's going to come up from Augustine. Augustine's one of our fathers of the faith, and he says, God loves each of us as if there was only one of us, and there's nothing that we can do. I like that. Whether there's a whole world full of humanity, there is just me. God loves me immeasurably. And God loves you. And God has an influence. You know, God didn't just create you to take up space and to live life and fill up garbage dumps and do whatever. God created you to have an eternal purpose for your life. And, you know, most of you won't ever be preachers, and, and, and that'll be cool. But every one of you have a platform. I'm convinced I have a platform on Sunday morning. I'm grateful for it. I've had a platform for 31 and a half years as a pastor. But your platform, I think, is more important than my platform. The platform that you and I live our life off of when we leave this sanctuary, when we leave this living room, that's the platform of influence. And we're having influence. Charles Barkley said, I don't want to have no influence. Sorry, big guy, you got influence, right or wrong. Matter of fact, just to pick on, this is pick on Charles Day, so I might as well go ahead and tell another story. I remember at one time somebody said, he's got a Christian testimony, and they called me and says, Keith, that's back when I was doing youth ministry, they said, do you want to have Charles Barkley come and speak to your youth group? Now, he was, he was wailing people in the NBA. Then. He was a big-time guy. I thought, he says, I know him. He said, I went to university with him. He's a friend of mine. Do you want to have him come impact kids? And I, I thought about it for a minute. And that Sunday afternoon, I was watching the NBA. He railed on somebody. And I thought, you know, that probably won't be real smart to get him to come have some positive influence. And I don't know where he's at today. Maybe, well, maybe I do. I don't know. But here, here, here's the point. What's your influence? Let's don't pick about somebody else. Let's just look at me. I, I'm the only person I can control is a person. In, if I draw a circle around me, inside this circle, that's me. You, hey, right now, in, a, in your mind, would you draw a circle around you? Everybody draw a circle around you in your mind. Okay? Ask God to consume that. Ask God to consume that with his holy fire. I pray that a lot. God, would you consume me? Would you consume this circle right here? This is the only circle I got any control or any ability to really speak into, and I need to be filled with you, Holy Spirit. And then I can make a ripple. I believe that only then. So God is constantly at work. God's committed to our growth. I really believe that. He know, do you, how many believe this morning that God knows exactly what you need to grow? 
He knows exactly. And some of you are like, well, I don't like what God picked. Well, you, you know, I'm sorry. Sometimes we get illnesses. We get disease. We get sicknesses. We lose stuff besides our keys. We, you know, we lose all kinds of stuff. We have relationships that go tough. We have people that don't like us. I mean, we just, we have whatever happens comes our lot in our life. And God is in charge of that. Do you believe God's in charge of your problems? Do you believe God's in charge of your experiences? Do you believe God's in charge of his universe? I do. And God's using that to grow solid Christ followers. And for some of us, it takes a little more of this than it does of that. I don't know why things happen. I'm not God. He's sovereign. He rules his universe. I like when I read scripture, I thought about this. You think of how differently God treats all of his children. God hated Abraham. Take a walk. He had Elijah take a nap. Now, I like that one. He had Joshua take a lap. He gave Moses a 40-year timeout. Let's stop at that one. How many of you feel like you're Moses? Man, you got a 40-year timeout. Yeah, that ain't very fun. He gave David a harp and a dance. He gave Paul a pen and a scroll. He gave Aaron an altar. He gave Miriam a song. He gave Gideon a fleece. He gave Peter a name. He gave Elisha a mantle. What did he give you? Just write it over somewhere. You got, you got plenty of room today. I made sure. God, what have you given me? God's giving you something to make an influence. He's a handcrafter. He's not a mass producer. God knows nothing about assembly lines. God's a handcrafter, one of a kind, custom kind of God. God's made you just the way you are. I mean, there's things about me sometimes like, I want to change. And some of you are like, praise the Lord. We want to change it too. Hey, hold on now. It's between me and the Father. This ain't your turn. You can pick on me later, okay? Y'all can eat me for lunch, okay? You know, that's, you, know, that's, you know, that's one of our fears as preachers, is that we get eaten at lunch. Ah, that was the dumbest summer I ever had. That didn't make any sense. He spit too much, said too many peas. He said too many words. He did this. He hit, man, he hit my mom in the head with a beach ball. I can't believe he did that, you know, whatever. How rude. Some of you are like, man, I, here, if you hit her again, I'll tie more. Okay, well, hey, bring it back next week. Okay, all right, here you go. God, what do you want me to do? Who do you want me to touch? God, I get empty on the inside. I need to be filled with your Holy Spirit. Have you ever noticed in Scripture, God never gives anybody an easy job? He gives them difficult jobs that, that necessitate supernatural resources. Think about that. God does not give you and me an easy job because we need him. If I could do it, then I don't depend on him. Because I can't do it, I must rely on him. And a lot, a lot of you right here say, man, that, that's exactly where I'm at. I mean, it, it's tough. I mean, I think about Moses, David, Esther, Ruth. Just read the characters of Scripture. They had difficult, tough assignments, but they passed. So I don't think the disciples were bored when I read about them in the New Testament. Jesus called them to adventure, just like he calls you and I to adventure this morning. So fill this in. God, would you just let my life ripple on somebody? God, just let my life ripple over on somebody else. Lord, maybe ripple on a lot of people, but God, let it ripple on somebody. Here's how you can make the biggest splash, one ripple at a time. Ready? If y'all come to the keyboard on this. Minister well with others. Invest in people's lives. Be diligent to listen. Pray for others. Model what it means to be faithful and vibrant and Christ-centered. Live your life in a way that they want to, you, you to share it with them. Be humble and real. Lead and encourage I mean, you can add a lot of others, I'm sure, but hey, make a splash. I mean, we watched Professor Splash, and he hit, he hit the pool, and you know, it was kind of crazy. I mean, 
mean, matter of fact, I, think, you know, I don't think the brother's got all his marbles, to be honest with you. I mean, can, can you see him telling his mama, Mama, I've taken up this profession. I'm going to dive into pools. But, um, you know, they're only going to have a few inches. It's going to be a kiddie pool. I'm sure she's like, I don't know, son. I must have dropped you on your head when you were little or something. I don't know. Feeling this last thing. You are God's workmanship. That's God's word for the Sunday morning. Lord, I want to be a ripple maker. I want you to think about something with me real quick. Have you thought that you might be sitting next to the next serious ripple maker for the kingdom of God? Their life might make some eternal ripples that we've never heard or seen. But we all make ripples. So let's make ripples for the king, for his namesake, for his glory. Let's pray for one another. Let's move forward. Lord Jesus, we want to make a splash with your presence. Let's pray. Father, how good it is to gather on a Sunday morning. And Lord, maybe some people need to come to this altar right now and come forward. Or maybe they need to go to the side to the cross and be assisted by brothers and sisters that will help them spiritually but lord we all i pray god i pray we want to have influence i pray we want to have impact i pray we want to make ripples for the king and lord jesus maybe there's somebody today that's never trusted christ as savior and lord he's never become master so they're they're making a splash it's just probably not a very good splash maybe today they would cry out to jesus and say jesus have mercy on me Save me, a sinner. Change me, my destiny. Change my heart. Make my life count. God, I'm just grateful for this church and for these wonderful people that come every weekend and for guests that gather today, for new people that I met. And God, I pray this word would just go forth and I would be reminded that I'm his workmanship, I'm his masterpiece, I'm made in the image of Christ. And when I walk out, I pray that, God, you do it for me and you do it for my friends. That I don't long for the approval of man, but I long for the approval of God. Help our lives ripple in Jesus' name. Amen.